Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 21 and today I am joined by a very special guest, Alex, a Harvard student that I met um, from my other Harvard friends. So this is a a nice connection we made. But today we're just going to chat a little bit about everything. I think Alex is a very um, cool individual, for lack of a better word. And I think that um, there's a lot of great things he can bring to the episode and and chat about that we usually don't touch on because it's not my forte. Um, I will say I'm a little... um, not too familiar with everything that he'll be talking about so it's going to be a learning opportunity for you guys and myself as well so alex why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself your major who you are yeah I'm, I'm alex white i'm from the state of virginia in the western part of the state where things are much more rural a lot of small towns i'm actually a first generation low-income college student as well so it was a real honor and privilege to be able to do that at a place like harvard and uh even just the application process and getting in was was an interesting experience. So I'll definitely get into that. I'll get into some of the advocacy that I'm trying to do for other rural students and just the broader theme of public service, which has really defined a lot of the things that I've tried to do and why I've worked to, to get here and, and hopefully keep doing things like that. So thank you very much for having me. And I definitely look forward to getting into all that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for coming on. So we can definitely just jump into that and talk about, you know, your experiences as a first generation low income student. And this conversation is always one that I really enjoy having because I, too, am a first generation low income student. But although we are, you know, we fall under that spectrum, I think the experiences and and the adversities that we face can be so different. So it's always really interesting to see how, you know, our lives just differ. So definitely you can jump into that, talk about how you applied to college, what were you looking for in a college, why you decided on Harvard, um, and kind of the struggles that came with just applying, filling out all those financial aid forms, all of that stuff that really, you know, ultimately requires some sort of guidance. And and for people like us, we may not have that guidance because of, you know, lack of uh, resources. Well, that's exactly right in every way. And particularly coming from a more rural, small town background, you don't there's really not as much in terms of opportunity and you don't get to see as many examples of people pursuing certain opportunities. It's sort of limited in in what you can do and what you're encouraged to do. I was actually originally looking at the possibility of um, trade school and learning a trade because I just didn't know how I was going to pay for college. And that seemed like a, a really prudent pathway. And it is a very prudent pathway for people. And I encourage people to look at that. Um, but I ended up having, so I was accepted into a governor school program, which in other states, I think those are referred to as magnet schools. And I got to meet some students that really challenged my conception of what I could do and what opportunities were out there when I kind of got into that atmosphere, which was a half day thing on top of my usual public high school. And I, a student there really encouraged me. He's actually at Harvard with me now. Um, So it worked out for both of us. And he told me that I had a shot and he explained that with a lot of these Ivy League schools, the financial aid is totally paid for if your family income is under a certain level. And as soon as I heard that, I knew that I I really needed to shoot my shot in that way. Um, I found out also through him that with the common application, you can get a, um, a fee waiver for your application fees if you get free lunch or are eligible for other programs and i did that and i actually ended up applying to 
almost 20 schools. Um, most of the Ivy League and all of the better schools that are in Virginia. And I just was really shocked. I I checked my acceptances on um, Ivy League Ivy League acceptance day, not expecting much. Of course, I opened up Harvard first because you just want to know, and it, it worked out. And that was that was pretty amazing. And since that point, um, I've just been able to enjoy a lot of opportunities. But getting there was the hard part. If I hadn't been informed about the fee waiver process, which I really wasn't until he told me about it, it wouldn't have happened. I had to kind of teach myself through some of the online resources that are out there about interviews. I actually had a really funny run in where I didn't know what an SAT subject test was. And then I registered when I realized that you kind of had to do them to apply for certain schools. And um, I ended up taking too many. I bombed one of them. Then I canceled all of my SAT subject test scores. And then I had to sit there in the middle of governor school with all my friends. There's a video on my phone of like everybody. And I'm just sitting there in the middle calling the SAT people saying, please only delete the one score that was really bad. And then I managed to save my subject test scores. So again, something where I didn't really have a lot of guidance, but just kind of had to figure it out. I'm glad I did because I mean, those are strongly encouraged for a lot of schools. And then with financial aid, I kind of had to put on an accountant hat. I know I really annoyed the heck out of my parents asking for all kinds of paperwork and saying, oh, well, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. Do you have this? And now I'm going to have to do that every year to renew my financial aid. So big learning experience, a huge learning curve for any first generation low income student. You definitely probably know that. And especially challenging, I think, coming from a rural area where you don't see a lot of examples of people going down certain routes and you're not necessarily encouraged. I remember another encounter where I had decided that I was going to apply to these schools and one of my school administrators, very encouraging, awesome people who I, I try to talk to and keep up with today. But they were like, are you, are you sure you want to go there? You know, that's pretty far away. It's kind of a reach. And I just knew I had to give it a shot. And I did that. And I'm glad I did. But I'm hoping that through some of the work that I'm doing now that I can kind of expand that to other people. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, from from the experiences that you had with your friend, if it wasn't for that, like, you know, you mentioned yourself, maybe you would not be here where you are and be a Harvard student and, and, and have all the opportunities and resources that you have now. So I think it's, you know, it's really important to help bridge and, and create a pipeline for really promoting equity in education, because that, that really is what it comes down to. And, and really, that is the basis of, of this project and this podcast. And even, you know, that one friend telling you something is just a step in the right direction. And, you know, he, he definitely, I guess you could say, changed your life and, and really helped you uh, maximize your potential, which I think is super important. And, and everyone really deserves an equal uh, chance at just really maximizing their, their potential and, and really having the same opportunities as, as their peers. And so kind of what you mentioned, why don't you talk about your initiative? So Alex has a nonprofit, he'll get all into that, but talk about how, what you're doing there and how that's helping, you know, people in rural areas and helping students to, again, get those same resources that their peers do that, you know, may not come from rural areas because I'm personally not from a rural area um, and I struggled. So I can't imagine uh, those who do come from a rural area. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I just kind of getting to Harvard, and I'm sure this would have been the case entering any higher education atmosphere, just hit the realization that I was one of few rural students or smaller town students, and there weren't any support resources for those students. And there are a lot of support resources for a lot of other marginalized student groups. And I, I just feel like what's happened to rural America is a story that's flown under the radar. Not to get too into a tangent, but if you look at the stats, um, when the country recovered from the Great Recession, you actually break down the numbers. All of the new jobs were added in urban areas and metropolitan statistical areas. Um, rural America was still in recession, and then the virus hit and everybody was in recession. And it really underscores the fact that there's been an opportunity squeeze in rural areas. And you can see that when you get to a higher education background where you don't see many of those people. And where, you know, I opened up the course catalog, actually took a look one day, searched up the word urban in the Harvard course catalog, about 90 courses with that in the name or description. You search rural, it was about eight. And all of them were about foreign policy. They were about rural areas in the developing world, not the United States. And it, it just seemed like such a blind spot. So I ended up launching under IRS 501c3 exemption law, a nonprofit called the Rural Leadership Initiative. I was able to get about $10,000 in grants starting off, which was actually more than enough to keep it going for a few years because it just gets a little bit of stipend money in the hands of rural students who pursue projects, internships, or their own initiatives. And the point is to give them those support resources so that they're encouraged to pursue work that has to do with their rural background or their rural hometown. Because the tendency, and this really exacerbates the other trends that I've talked about, the tendency in higher education is to kind of shuffle people away from their home backgrounds and their roots into the same six cities in the United States into, you know, maybe managerial consulting, um, which that's a whole nother issue that would take a whole nother podcast. But I wanted to kind of push back on that, give top rural students a chance at some of these top schools. We funded six fellows this past year um, from... $500 on the high end, $300 on the low end. So not too shabby. They were working on everything from a guy from Indiana who recorded an album about the con cultural contradictions in rural areas. And he's released that on major platforms to a girl that was doing an internship at one of the major hospitals at Columbia University to a girl that was actually writing a book about her experiences as a rural student in the Ivy League. And as an Ivy League student, that still interacted in her rural hometown. So been really pleased with that. Actually got to um, get recognized with a national award this year. Uh, the Rural Spirit Awards Next Gen Award from Osborne Bar Paramore, which is a national firm that does a lot of work with rural areas and the agriculture industry. And just trying to keep that going because I feel like I've gotten a lucky break to say the least. I mean, all of those stories that I told were turning points where if they hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here and who knows what I would be doing. And I just want to make sure that it's it's not so much of a shot in the dark for people and, and that the people that do make it know that they're supported and know that there are other people from that background as well. So 
that's what I've been doing. Um, hopefully can keep doing that and uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I'm definitely going to have all of the um, information linked in the description of this episode so you guys can can check it out, send it to friends and family. But I, I you know, I always appreciate these initiatives that, you know, you and I, people like you and I take because it, it really is, you know, it may seem insignificant, but it really isn't. You know, you change one person's life and, and then that kind of trickles down into like a domino effect where they affect other people's lives. And it's really you know, incredible to see that, that all of this is being done. So yeah, I'm very proud of your, um, of your efforts and I really wish you and your nonprofit the best, but I want to, I'm curious. I had someone else come on the podcast a while ago. She had a nonprofit. Um, it sounded very complicated. So, and I know a lot of people are interested in, um, you know, starting a nonprofit and whatever. So I know this might be a little bit of boring info, but you can give a kind of condensed, um, idea to, to what goes into, creating a nonprofit, you have to, you know, get all these stipends and these grants and, and, you know, it, it seems to me again, very hard. Um, I can barely keep up with this podcast sometimes and it has to, it, nothing of that is included here. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Maybe some bumps and hiccups you faced and, and really any tips that you would give for students who are looking to make their own nonprofit. Yeah. The heaviest lift for me was, um, getting the grant money in the first place. Thankfully I was prepared for that because, I have previously and I still currently work with a nonprofit in my town that um, is a food pantry and I've done grant writing for them and won some grants for them. So that was the main thing for me. I know for a lot of people, it's a heavy lift just starting off to do a lot of the federal government paperwork with the IRS and everything. Something that saved me there was because this is just a stipend program, you're essentially moving money into the hands of people. There wasn't a lot of overhead that I had to worry about and actually in IRS tax exemption law for nonprofits, if you're under $5,000 in gross receipts every year, you don't have to fill out like all of the crazy forms. You just have to check out your state and see what kind of registration you did. So I was able to get away with just doing a quick registration with um, the state of Virginia, very easily got my tax EIN number from the IRS so I could operate, which sounds daunting but was super easy and uh just was able to to get going on that basis um so that's one thing i would definitely advise people if whatever you're doing is going to have five thousand dollars or less in gross receipts which is literally just all transactions in aggregate every year then you don't have to go through a a lot of the uh, hurdles of filling out paperwork for the irs and identifying your board and your structure and a constitution and all that stuff. And I did do all that stuff. You know, I reached out to mentors to kind of populate an advisory board just for the sake of kind of legitimacy and keeping me accountable and promoting things. But really, if you're able to take advantage of little things like that, that makes the process a lot easier. And that made it a lot easier for myself. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great to know. I'm sure I, I didn't know about that. Again, I'm, I'm very lost when it comes to all of that. So that was definitely um, some great info. So I kind of now want to jump into you at Harvard. So if I'm not mistaken, this nonprofit was created before um, you, you went to Harvard? It was kind of conceived right before, but I really, in terms of getting recognition and being registered as a nonprofit and funding the fellows, that came afterwards that came this past year and um in 2020 
from the summer onward. But as far as at Harvard, I, uh, I'm a government uh, concentrator. I'm on the public policy track. So the main thing for me is kind of how do you apply government to solve problems? A little less of the political partisanship that gets us in the situation that we saw earlier this week. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. It's been challenging with, with the virus and not being able to be on campus. But I was actually able to take advantage of that in a very real way. And that is that another problem with rural areas is that not a lot of people will um, serve in local government. And there was actually a, a vacancy on one of the boards in my county, the Economic Development Authority, which does a lot of advisory work, but also a lot of concrete work in terms of just trying to create jobs, create economic opportunity, get money flowing for the 24,000 people in my county. I applied for that vacancy. I was unanimously uh, appointed by the Board of Supervisors here. So I've actually, I've been able to take not being on campus and not being able to take advantage of the whole Harvard government student thing to taking advantage of it at home and being a practitioner of public policy. So that's another thing that I would really encourage people, you know, if you look hard enough, there is probably a vacancy on, on a pretty interesting public board wherever you're from where you can make a difference and i'm sure that's probably also true in some urban areas because just not enough people get involved in government and really realize the opportunities that exist to do that yeah and you know i think you you mentioned a great point and something that comes back really in every conversation i recorded an episode uh, earlier this morning and it was something that we spoke about as well and it's that there's so many opportunities now and i think limiting yourself because you're not on campus is probably not a good idea um there's you know and, and beyond you you know getting this very cool position and and you know expanding your horizon so to say you're helping out you know your hometown and maybe something that would have not been possible if you were at harvard kind of immersed in that community and worrying about things over there so i think you know despite all of the tragedies that COVID has ensued i think really that it has brought a lot of opportunity i mean at every corner there's always something you can do you and government, you know, and, and for those that are in that field um, or in that profession, there's like Alex said, you can look at different um, seats that are that are vacant. And if you're, you know, pre-medical like myself, there's virtual shadowing. So you don't have to, you know, go to a hospital because you're not, you know, considered essential, but you can still get those, you know, shadowing hours and, and still learn and kind of stay up to track with, with everything that's going on. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of really great opportunities and like you said limiting yourself or, or saying oh i can't do anything because i'm not on campus is i think the wrong approach so i mean it's great that you were able to do that um expand on that if you want maybe um how you are going to implement that and how you're going to kind of work with that in your in your hometown and how you know what your goal um with that position really is yeah so the economic development authority has been a staple for probably about 20 years every county in virginia has one uh, under law and now so the board has kind of been in flux for a few years they used to do a lot of work and now we have a new board i'm of course i've been on there for about six months now um, we've got a new board president we're going to elect our board officers and kind of make a plan this month so we actually have some pretty lofty goals for this year to just do some tangible things and then make sure the public knows about it and knows that we're, we're doing this work. Um, I actually also write a column 
on rural public policy for one of the local news websites that covers my county. And I'm going to try to merge those things to where we're we're doing work and we're making sure people know that, hey, their economic development authority is doing work to make things better. And some of the ideas that we've thought about tackling. So just in the past six months of being on there, I was able to launch a program where I got the authority to buy grant databases, um, database subscriptions. And then I'm kind of executing a thing where we share this grant data with local nonprofits. And we just had one win a $10,000 grant that they found through that program. And this year, we're just going to try to do more things like that. Had an idea of um, identifying and then contacting regional businesses that might be looking at you know, a new location and kind of singing the praises of my county and the benefits of being here. Um, as a result of COVID, the local farmer's market, which created a, a forum for buying and selling for a lot of local producers, kind of went under. I'd like to see if we can tackle that. Just a number of things, but one thing that I would throw out as just big advice for F FGLI students on and off campus and you know you come into whatever school and you're always going to have this um how do people put it it's like imposter syndrome where it's like oh i i shouldn't be here i'm not as good as all these people look at all these accomplishments blah 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 and something i realized is people don't get all these things in isolation like one opportunity that you take advantage of opens up a ton of other ones that are going to be connected that are going to require a little less effort so when I applied for that board, which, I mean, it wasn't the most competitive process, you know, they needed people. But when I did that, I actually ended up having a, a national outlet that covers rural areas talking about how at the time of my appointment, I was the youngest government official in the state. And that was just kind of out of nowhere. And from that, you know, I was able to intern at the White House and get through that application process. I was a national delegate. Uh, and I've, it just opened a lot of doors because you try to figure out how to differentiate yourself and that ended up being a differentiating factor. So that's one thing I would tell any first generation low income students, try to think about opportunities you can take advantage of that are going to open up other opportunities and really not just be a thing on the resume or whatever, but be a defining, you know, differentiating factor that's going to make that stand out and really speak to to who you are and what you care about because that's I'm, I'm starting to have to think about that a lot that comes every summer when you have to apply for things and think about the next step yeah for sure i mean and i think to add on to what you said these things also don't come you know it, it's okay if you can't get them on your own i think the, the support and the help of your community is is encouraged um and you know, I think that's kind of what happened when when you were, you know, appointed to serve as Virginia's, you know, government official. And I think, you know, the support of your community um, really kind of elevated that role and, and really made it more meaningful. And you know, like like you mentioned, I think doing things just to slap them on a resume can really only get you so far. I know, you know, recruiters and and um, ad comms are very skilled at what they do. You know, they they run through applications and interviews. Um, on a daily basis, probably 10 to 20 of them. Um, and so I, I feel like they can kind of, you know, sniff out the, the BS and really it's just, I personally don't see a purpose in, in doing something if you're not passionate about it. And, and 
once you're when you do something with passion, I think just more things come with it. You know, more doors will open, and and I think your you know what you do will be more fruitful. And and I don't know. I just think you know I really do agree with what you're saying that doing things to put them on a resume is just not going to work. And and there's so many opportunities again, especially now where there's remote things here and there, up and down. You can find them anywhere to. To really just kind of delve in and and you know do a few things here and there. Maybe I'm interested in this or this, and and I'm scared to try both. But you know who cares? Just try both and and kind of make a decision from there and, and see what you're really interested in. So yeah, that's definitely very、um, important. And another thing that I wanted to touch on, you mentioned your White House internship. So why don't you kind of go into that? Your extracurriculars、um, at Harvard and and kind of how you got to that. So you mentioned that.、Um, Because of your government official position, you were able to prepare,、um, you know, and craft a really great application for the White House internship. So that's、uh, just an example of you know support from your community.、Uh, but why don't you talk about that extracurriculars at Harvard and how, as a first generation low income student, you kind of navigate through that? Because Harvard is not very you know rural, and there's not a lot of like you said rural representation. So it may be hard to connect with people and, and you know kind of empathize in a way、um, with others. So What what are you? What are your extracurriculars, and how did you kind of you know get to get to them? Yeah, coming in a a much bigger educational atmosphere than the one that I came up in. You know, my graduating class was probably like 120 people, maybe 500 people in the whole high school.、Um, I knew that I was able to do really well and kind of shine in those smaller atmospheres where I could. Kind of empathize with people and be a friend to people and just kind of be on the same page with everybody. And starting at Harvard, I, I kept that in mind, and I identified some of the smaller groups where, you know, they were small but they were doing important work and they were growing and they they had a niche that was valuable and that was valuable to me based on things that I enjoyed and that I prioritized. And I just got involved really early. So I got involved with Harvard undergraduates for bipartisan solutions.、Um, I went from a member the very first time that I was on campus before I was even a student. When I just visited, I went to one of their introductory meetings. I loved what they were about, especially because of the moment that we're in right now as a country. I was a member. Then they opened up applications for a policy director position for the first time they had ever done that. I applied for that because that's my wheelhouse. I, I was able to get that position, so then I was the first non-founding board member for that group. And then just in,、um, I guess probably November or December, I was elected president of that group of the first non-founding board. So the whole board.、Uh, so that's been a, a really cool experience. I know that's helped a lot because that group operates in a really unique space.、Um, you have your campus political parties on both sides. You really don't have anybody that's there pulling for, you know, hey, why don't we just come together around things we agree on and solve problems? So we're filling that space.、Um, just earlier this week, with everything that happened with the Capitol, I was actually able to reach out to the president of the Harvard Republicans and the presidents, the co-presidents of the Harvard Democrats, and we pulled together a joint statement with the Harvard undergrads for bipartisan solutions, just condemning the violence. Um, calling for certification of the election and just upholding our institutions, and it's been relatively rare that the campus Republicans and campus Democrats will get together for something like that. And myself, their presidents, etc., 
we're all really excited about seeing if we can continue that kind of bipartisan work on campus. So that's been an impact. That's been one of my big extracurriculars. The other thing is the Harvard Club Golf Team or Harvard Golf Club uh, got involved because I played in high school. Um, from a freak of serendipity, um, they had their officer elections and I, I ended up going and it was just like, so the officers were graduating and this was when I was still a first year. Like I got elected Hubs president as a sophomore, but I was still entering my second semester of first year and I went to the golf officer meeting. And I mean, this isn't like a shabby club. I mean, they we went to Yale and played when we uh, had the football game. We got to play the Yale course, which is like a top 100, really exclusive course. We play schools in the Boston area, travel around, etc. Decent endowment behind the club. Um, really strong membership, probably nearing like 100 people. Um, and I was just at that meeting and these guys who I'd gotten to be kind of friends with while they were presidents of the club and I had played in tournaments with them, they were graduating, so they weren't running again. And I just kind of put my hat in the ring and I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll run for president. I feel like on my high school team, I was not by any means good, but I was like a captain because I was an administrator. And I was like, I may not be the best golfer, but I'm the best darn paperwork writer that you could you could ask for. And I got elected president of that. So I'm finishing my term um, with them. And we've kind of figured out what we can do in a remote semester. We've actually reimbursed a lot of people for playing golf at their home courses. Um, we had a, a governor of Alaska who was a fellow at Harvard who I kind of networked with because he was just a big golfer. And he came and talked to the club. So we've kept that going. Those are my two main extracurriculars and then I do some things in my hometown with um, obviously with the development authority and with a food pantry that I kind of assist in managing and um, write my little column every month on public policy issues where I'm from so that's me that's kind of what I've done again a lot of examples of being in the right place at the right time and getting lucky but it's definitely worked out yeah I think you know it, sure, there's some luck in there, but I know it's a lot of you know of your your drive and and really you know your your merit and how bad you know I I think it always comes down to how bad you want it you know it's it's maybe you're there at the right place right time but maybe someone else takes it because they wanted it more than you did and so I think mm -hmm. um, yeah it's a little bit of both but it's it's great to see that you've been able to do a lot of great things and it's also great to see that you know you as is any other normal, you know, traditional college student is involved in things beyond academics. I think a lot of people, I, you know, I get a lot of emails and, and DMs saying that, you know, people don't want to quote unquote waste their time on extracurriculars that aren't going to look good on a resume. But I think, you know, being uh, in the golf club looks pretty good on a resume. And beyond that, it's just a really great, you know, social environment to be around. And, and you know, you can form connections, friendships. I think, you know, those type of more social clubs are a great way to to leave that academic bubble and, and just meet people and not be chatting about internships all day or, or classwork. And it's just, you know, a nice um, escape from the really hectic day-to-day -day school life. So it's great to see that, you know, Harvard has um, implemented that and has a lot of clubs that can do that. But I also, you know, when these people DM me, I always encourage them to just do that. You know, I think it should ultimately come down to what you want to do. I'm part of, you know, clubs and organizations and I do things on my free time that A, I don't put on my resume and B, 
if I do, you know, I do them because I think that they're cool. And I think, you know, when someone sees that, maybe um, a recruiter or something, it just shows them a little bit more of, you know, who you are and what you like to do on your free time, because um, I think it, it goes really beyond academics um, when, you know, getting hired or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's really great. Um, very well-rounded. So that's, that's really awesome. Um, I don't know if you wanted to chat about anything else. We could chat a little bit about um, kind of what's going on. And, and I really liked actually how you and, and something that's going on at Harvard and at your club is being applied um, to what's happening right now, you know, in the real world um, with, like you mentioned, the, the incidents at the Capitol. And so why don't you talk a little bit about that, actually, about how you cautiously work towards implementing what you do in a club at Harvard or what you do at Harvard and kind of, you know, using that as a as something that you can talk about, you know, beyond that club, something that you can um, kind of execute that goes beyond that club and can really uh, make a difference for, you know, people who follow the account or people who um, look up to, to, you know, being part of that club and whatnot. Yeah. So for that club, we, um, even before, you know, when I was just the policy director, they had made it a priority of trying to do some kind of policy work that had an impact beyond Harvard, beyond the club. We have um, the, th the project that I led as policy director was um, a bill that is currently in the Massachusetts legislature kind of got brushed aside by um, COVID-19, but it's in there and we're really hoping to push that this year as they start another term with their legislature. That was on people getting their license suspended for the failure to pay court debt, which is just kind of like effectively illegalizing being poor because, <laughs> you know, you make a mistake, maybe, maybe then you can't pay it. And then all of a sudden you're still going to drive because you got to get your kids to school, et cetera. And then you're a felon and that changes your whole life. So a lot of states have been acting on that. We got the Massachusetts legislature to take that up. One of the state senators in the Boston area sponsored that for us after we kind of wrote it up. Um, so that more recently, we did a project where, you know, the big thing now is these Instagram infographics. Um, and one thing where people didn't have as much information was these referenda that were on the ballot all over the country. You know, everybody's worried about the offices, but you have like constitutional amendments. I mean, you know this. I mean, y'all had some pretty important ones um, down your way. Um, so we had teams create infographics and then we shared those through our social media, shared them through Harvard students that were from these different states. Actually had some of the organizations repost them. Um, we had one that was on criminal justice reform and a couple of the state NAACPs actually reposted them from us. So that was something we did. We've also produced a lot of memos on different issues that we've had published in different national outlets. One about how um, there are bipartisan solutions on criminal justice reform, particularly police brutality when all that was um, a big topic of conversation. And we hope that that will continue to be a big topic of conversation. Uh, so just things like that. I mean, there's even a trend in Harvard's course catalog right now where they're trying to create more courses that actually have real world application. Like I was, I actually had to apply to be in this class, but I was in a class, it's the first undergraduate course at Harvard on public policy. Previously it had just been graduate student courses and that was through the Kennedy School, applied to get into that. And for that class, we um, actually wrote a policy brief for an organization that does education reform in 
Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So things like that are really taking hold. Um, Harvard actually has a whole class of courses. I forget what they're called. Um, engaged scholarship courses where they'll work with organizations in the Boston area, in the Cambridge area, national groups, and just try to do stuff. Because, I mean, who really wants to just sit in a class and, you know, read your homework and blah, 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 blah. But if you get the chance to put that learning into action, it can be really cool and really positive for a lot of people. Yeah, I think there's, you know, a lot of, of potential for that to happen in, in the years to come. And I see, you know, a lot of, of growth coming from that because I think, you know, being able, I feel like this should have been implemented, you know, years ago where you go to class and you, you know, you implement what you learned in the real world. Um, just like, you know, when people complain about not having uh, like financial literacy classes in high school, which I think is so important. And I'm still, you know, confused as to why that's not uh, a thing, because I feel like you just you just need to have these um, these classes where you can apply them to the real world, because then, yeah, sure, you're left with like a ton of like, you know, you're reading, like you said, all your homeworks and doing all your readings and then you just leave and you're like, oh, what do I do now? You know, you know, all of this stuff, but there's really no there's no connection to applying that to the real world. So. Yeah, like you said, I think I'm really excited to see that come to fruition too throughout the years. I think it's definitely something that's um, taking shape, and I'm really glad to see that um, Harvard is is taking you know a step in the right direction um, for that. So that's really awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad to see that you were able to kind of do that. That's really cool. Um, and then with all of that now out of the way, I don't know if you had now any uh, last things you wanted to chat about. Any tips for first generation low income students that are kind of you know applying right now or are currently in college and are a little confused on you know where to seek out these opportunities like internships how to get these leadership roles and and things of the like i would say never discount a smaller group um one of the trends at harvard is i don't know you just sit down at like the the dining area table and everybody's like talking about the same clubs up there, you have to apply to clubs called comping. That's a whole thing. Everybody's talking about the same clubs. They're talking about taking the same classes. Then they're talking about how much they all hate the classes together. And it's just like, if you're a first-generation low-income student, you're already a little bit apart from everyone else. And that's not in any way a liability. And I think you've got to take advantage of that and say, you know, I'm already lucky and happy that I'm here because you know nobody in my family has done it and the odds were stacked against me i'm not gonna you don't have to go do the same classes or clubs as everybody else you know go to places where you're passionate about the material whatever it is where you're gonna have opportunities to lead because i think first generation low-income students should be in leadership roles because you come from a background with way more diverse experiences with different people different challenges so that's one thing you don't have to follow the crowd you're going to actually find that a lot of the really good golden opportunities are away from the crowd and things that maybe you have to dig for a little bit and as far as the digging part which helps a lot with applying and then finding opportunities you've just really got to say okay what goal do i have out of a club an internship etc and then you've just got to research 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 like i you could probably document my whole application experience from like my Google search history. Cause it was just everything like, and I found some real gems like, um, with the Harvard admission lawsuits, um, 
interview notes were released and the codes that they use for interviews where they like write down your basic profile on a sheet of paper. Okay, what's good about this person? That was all released. And I just kind of turned over the rocks and found that stuff and was able to go from a position of not knowing anything about applying to college to feeling like I could be a strong applicant to a school like where I'm at now. So that's another thing is just do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. You can't expect anybody else to kind of be there to, I don't want to say hold your hand, but you know, nobody's necessarily going to guide, but thankfully we live in a world where there are so many resources out there where if you do your research with a discerning eye, you're going to find a lot of good advice and, and good things. On the flip side, and maybe this is the third thing, and this speaks to that imposter syndrome thing earlier. When I was doing all that research, you find communities that maybe speak to some of the toxicity in higher education, you know, like college confidential, stuff like that, where it's just people are just like, oh, it's terrible. It's just terrible. And that's a very real thing. I mean, higher education, in my opinion, is a pretty toxic atmosphere done correctly you can use it to an enormous advantage and do really positive things done incorrectly you get sucked into the toxicity and you just kind of sacrifice parts of yourself and where you're from and what you really want to do so that's the third thing is just um take advantage of the fact that you are a first generation low-income student be different and just keep your roots and that was that's the final thing i'll end on is when I went to leave for college, first time I had ever even been on an airplane or left the state for like a sizable period of time, the number one thing people told me is don't forget where you're from. And I would say that's the key. Like wherever it is, don't forget where you're from. Don't forget the people that you're from. And I think you'll be in good shape. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely, I don't think I've ever been on Reddit and left happy. I think I've always left, you know, mad or I'm like, well, shit, you know, now now it's over for me. I'm not getting in anywhere or, you know, whatever. So yeah, college confidential. I don't even go there because I think that one's too intense, but I think Reddit is also pretty toxic. But yeah, I think, you know, you hit really everything that you said was was perfect that I think it's it's important to take advantage of all of these opportunities that were given. And I feel like to an extent, even take advantage of your roots and where you come from, because that's so valuable. And a lot of people are, you know, disconnected from that or don't have that because of you know xyz and so i think that bringing that to the table and bringing those experiences and those traditions and and everything that you know makes up your roots and who you are and where you're from is so valuable um especially you know maybe in in miami where i'm from you you see that a lot because it's like a hispanic nation you know it's like the roots are like everything here but when you start going up to you know like boston where that's a little bit harder to come by having someone that does have those roots you know deeply ingrained in them and 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 tries every day to really incorporate that in, in into their into their daily lives is so important and i think really helps you stand out so definitely take advantage of that and and kind of adding on to the last thing that you said or the first thing that you said but um that nothing is given to you i think i've learned that in college 100 and and i love that you brought that up because i always made the comparison of like community college and like an ivy league like kind of like the the extremes and I think now it's like 100% solidified because I've heard it from a community college student and I've heard it from a Harvard student where, you know, there's opportunities, but no one's going to give them to you. It doesn't matter where you are, if you're at a top institution or a community college, the opportunities are there 1000%. Um, and there's a lot of them, like you mentioned, but 
if you don't go and seek them out, no one's going to give them to you. You know, I used to get emails in high school with like a huge, like a plethora of like internships and like scholarships. And like, now I don't get any of that. My inbox is like dry on like all of that. And I'm there like hours on end, like, you know, searching for all of that. But I think there's, there's, you know, something good that comes out of that because it really shows your dedication and it shows, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to devote my time to researching and maybe you're going to get to dead end. I mean, Sometimes I spend a whole day doing something or working on something and nothing comes out of it, but that's fine. I think you just learn um, as you go. And I think um, it's, that's a very valuable experience, but yeah, agreed to everything you said. And I just want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your experiences and your story. And I think that, you know, you have a very uh, unique story and, and I congratulate you for everything that you're doing and I wish you the best. Well, thank you for that. And I hope that, um, I hope that that advice wasn't too rambly and that it, it benefits some people. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. And thank you for all that you're doing, because I think you're probably helping a lot of people by putting this kind of stuff out there. Yeah, thank you. I think we're both we're both playing our part and and hopefully, um, you know, in the right direction or whatever. But yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much. I'm going to leave so you can, you know, go ahead and send me um, all of those links. I'll have them linked down below for everyone to listen um, or not to listen, sorry, to um, to click on and, and navigate through. Um, and yeah, other than that, thank you guys for listening and I will catch you during the next episode. Bye.